the more stable the property, the easier it is for somebody coming in to get financing. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I got another wonderful day of underwriting ahead of me. Ooh, sounds fun. Fantastic <laughs> underwriting, but hey, you got to get it done, right? Exactly. Can't get any deals if you never underwrite any deals. Uh, well, that's that's good. Um, man, I had, a, I had an awesome week last week. I went to uh, visit a couple of my properties, uh, saw progress was going on there, and then also um, toured several potential new properties as well. So, yeah, good, good, uh, good week last week. Always nice to be able to get boots on the ground, see the contractors, uh, property managers, and uh, hopefully I lit a little fire under their butts uh, as well. So uh, try try to make sure we got progress, good progress going on. I uh, was able to bring a couple investors into town. So that's always nice for them to be able to see uh, what's going on as well. Nice. And that's kind of what we uh, talked about last week of you know, asset management, uh, making sure the business plan is being executed the way you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, today, we're going to talk about the next step, which is, uh, you know, once you've completed your business plan, it's time to uh, prepare the property for sale. Yeah. So eventually, you're probably going to sell the property. Mm -hmm. And that really depends on your business plan, right? And depends on, uh, I'm sure, a lot of different factors, you know, market factors, uh, your your own personality. Maybe some some people are like, I'm, I'm not going to sell. I'm going to hold this thing forever. Other people are like, we're trying to get out of the in and out of this as quickly as possible to maximize our profits. So uh, honestly, I, it really depends on which, you know, what your plan is, but eventually you're probably going to sell this building. So we've got to look at prepping for that sale for maximum profits, right? Yep, exactly. So I, I think there's, there's a, there's a couple different things you can do. First of all, when you're trying to figure, okay, or when you're trying to prep for a sale, you want to boost your NOI, your net operating income as high as you possibly can. So there's two ways to do that. One, increase the income. Okay. So we want to figure out different ways we can increase income. We can push our rents. We can drop our vacancies. You know, we want to stabilize the property. The more stable the property the easier it is for somebody coming in to get financing. So if they're going to come in and get financing, they, and they want to pay top, you want them to pay top dollar, they better be able to get really good financing. So that's first thing is you want to make sure you've got um, really good rent collections. You've got great occupancy. And of course, the higher the rents, the better, and the higher any other income is, the better cut out that bad debt, cut out those delinquencies, really try to push your residents to pay, uh, pay on time. And again, try to really push that occupancy level. So that, that's first and foremost on the income side. On the expense side, we want to figure out how can we reduce some expenses. And a big expense is going to be your maintenance and repairs will cut into your NOI. 
And that's a fairly easy thing for you to cut back on some maintenance and repairs. Now, I'm not telling you to stop doing maintenance repairs. What I'm telling you is prior to selling, especially if you can do it over a year in advance, take care of some of those big cap X items that might be lingering. Okay. So we want to make sure we're taking care of anything we think could be a maintenance issue. We want to take care of that now um, before we get to selling, before we even get to a year before sale, because people are going to want to look at your T12, your trailing 12. One thing that we do, Matt, when we buy a property, I really pay attention to expenses that are going to be continual expenses. So for instance, we don't love replacing windows because they don't add a lot of value. I don't get higher rents for my windows. But if I've got a property that's on a central boiler, an air handler, well, windows might be the way to go, replacing those windows. Because yeah, it costs me a lot of money, but it also saves me a ton in my NOI because I have way, way cheaper bills there. Same thing with you know, just little things, uh, light bulbs, um, you know, LED light bulbs, uh, low flow toilets, you know, things like that. Um, we always look at what's, what's it going to cost today versus what's it going to save us tomorrow. And, and again, we're always looking at that NOI. And if we say, look, we can save, um, you know, a thousand dollars and we're selling at a five cap, you know, we're going to be creating, what's that? Uh, 200,000, no, two, $20,000. Oh, yeah. I got my zeros mixed, mixed up. Every, every thousand dollars comes out to $20,000, uh, increase the profitability or uh, right. it worth in a, as, as a five cap. So, I mean, that's, that's some big money right there that we can start going, wow. You know, if we can save a little bit here and there, uh, it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. And I see a lot of people or not, not a lot, but some people anyway, they use their cash flow to pay for their cat uh, CapEx, which I think is a big mistake because what if things big mistake. don't cash flow, then your CapEx uh, ends and that um, also really impacts your uh, NOI and, and your uh, properties are worth as well. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big mistake right there. Um, you know, we were, so I, I, I was, uh, I got a property that the contractor really wanted to paint the countertops. Uh, that's kind of common in multifamily is, is they just put a glaze on the countertops. It's not just like the cheap paint from wherever Home Depot or whatever, that you put on the walls, but, but either way, they, they wanted to put this glazing on the countertops. They wanted to, to resurface the, um, the, the sinks too, as well. And it sounds good because it's going to save us some decent amount of money. It actually looks really nice, but when it comes down to it, it's going to end up costing us a ton more money in NOI. Now you could look at it and go, well, I'm going to flip this property, right? If you're going to buy it and sell it immediately, then painting countertops and painting sinks, uh, that doesn't add a lot of money. Now I, I would argue that you're kind of, you know, setting the next person up for a failure, but 
you know, that's up to you to decide if that's right or wrong uh, for you. For me, it's, 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 I don't like doing that, but uh, regardless, if you're going to be painting countertops and, and painting sinks or glazing sinks and stuff like that, you're, you're saving money on the front end, but every time that resident moves out, you've got to redo it every single time. So yeah, you might save 500 bucks. You might even save a thousand bucks, but you got to look at it. Every single unit that you have a move out, you're going to spend another $300 again, again, and again. And so that's huge on your NOI. Yeah. I mean, when you're holding onto a property for a bit, uh, it's always better to, uh, I guess, get better quality items for your units because uh, that is an investment that you're going to reap the rewards off of. Yeah. And there's, there's that fine balance, right? We, we don't want to go too high end, yeah, but we also want to go quality. So when I look at my properties, I want to try to make things, I call it bulletproof, right? I want to try to make things so they don't break really easily. Um, if I can do that, then I've accomplished it. It doesn't mean it needs to be super high end. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be something that isn't going to break tomorrow uh, when I replace it. So we go with a little bit better fixtures. We go with a little bit better, um, you know, LVP, things like that. So where we know they're going to last. Yep. So, um, so, so those are, those are just kind of, you know, the ground rules, right? We want to grow the NOI. We want to think of things we can do to boost our NOI as quickly as possible. Okay. And it'd be ideal to start this and to get it to where you should be a year prior to sale. Okay. If we can see some good trend lines, if let's say if it goes from a year and then we're seeing these good trend lines and, and when we've only got good stabilization for six months, we could probably get away with it as long as we've got a story to tell, right? Um, so the next thing you want to do is really get in a market analysis for your property. So an easy way to do that is contact a broker. Brokers are going to be a great source to sell. You might go, well, I don't want to pay that commission. Well, okay, but good luck trying to get, you know, top dollar without a broker. Um, sometimes you can, but usually you can get a lot more with a broker. So. I would connect with a couple brokers and get a price analysis. What do they think this property is going to sell for? Where do they think the market's going to shake out? And how do you pick out one broker versus the other? Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully you've built some good relationships already, right? You bought the property. So you, hopefully you've got good relationships with the broker that sold you the property. Uh, likely you're looking for other properties in the market uh, so yeah, it's just the brokers you've built relationships with, uh, for me, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be loyal to the broker that found me the property, but it's not going to be the, my, my stopping point. Right. So I'm going to also get a couple other brokers to come in and give me my price report. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I want to pick the best broker that I think is going to be able to sell. At the same time, there's there's something to be said with loyalty. So for me, again, I like to be loyal. I'm likely going to give that broker who found me the property the first chance to sell the property. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, and and go ahead and you, you got to, again, you got to give them the story. You've got to talk with them. You try to push their limits a little bit. 
if they say, well, I can get you, you know, 5 million say, well, look, I mean, I think I really think it's worth, you know, five and a half million and see if you can move that needle up with them a little bit without, obviously we don't want to be unrealistic, but we want to try to push their limits again. So then they're going to be trying to push the market limits a little bit as well. Uh, the other thing is you got to decide, are you going to sell with it being fully listed or are you going to sell off market? Okay. So the last two sales I did were both off market sales. I did that uh, mainly because I was not really intending to sell. I was intending to refinance that property. So I was doing everything we've already talked about, trying to get my NOI up and all that kind of stuff so I could refinance. But then the broker approached me, asked me if I wanted to sell and I gave them a, a magic number, which I thought there was no way they would hit. And sure enough, they ended up hitting that number. Um, so I did not list the property. We shopped it off market. They only shopped it to a few people. I didn't want a bunch of people walking my property because I honestly, I wasn't going to sell so I didn't want a bunch of people. So there's a lot of reasons people go, well, why would anybody sell off market unless they're distressed? It's not typically because they're distressed. It's because they really just don't want to disrupt their staff or, you know, they're not really intrigued of selling unless they get the right price. You know, that those are kind of some of the reasons they don't want people to get bothered. They don't want to be bothered. Um, so that's typically why off market deals end up happening. And how do you decide to sell versus refinance? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think it comes down to a couple things. Well, a, what's your business plan? Um, you know, B, uh, what the opportunity in the market is. You know, for me, it was a great opportunity to sell because we were going to get a great price. We we sold for more than anything had sold in that market per door, price per door. Um, and we wanted to get out of C-class properties. And this was a C-class property, or it was a C-class location and wanted to get out of C-class locations. And so it was an opportunity where we got a really good offer. It was going to make our investors good return on their investment. And it allowed us to get out of the C-class market. Yeah, that's fair. You can fix up the property, but it's really hard to fix up the neighborhood yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, you know, obviously right now in hindsight, we probably should have sold the property you know, now versus uh, six months ago because prices keep going up. But you might be saying that for the next 10 years, or you might go, oh, shoot, I wish I would have sold it six months ago because prices all of a sudden went down. So you just it, the timing is never perfect. You never really know. But uh, I think you've got to take your chips off the table at some time. And, uh, and there's various reasons for it. But for, for me, it was, uh, you know, those types of, those, those couple of reasons. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. And then you can redeploy the money for a, a new asset. Right. Right. So what else do you need to do to prepare the property for the sale? Do you need to take a bunch of really great pictures, uh, you know, get some model units up and running? Yeah. I think if you can have a model unit, that'd be really valuable. Of course we want, we don't want a model unit just for, just for a model unit and really hurt her occupancy. So it kind of depends on the size of the property. If you've got a hundred plus unit property, one unit being vacant, you're still, you know, 99% or better. 
that's not a big deal. If you've got a 10 unit property and you want to model unit, well, that just doesn't make sense. Cause now you already got 10% vacancy. The second somebody else moves out and all of a sudden you're at 20% vacancy and it's really hard to finance. So uh, you got to look at the size of your property and what you want to do, but uh, model units are great. Uh, landscaping, simple, just super simple. Just clean up that landscaping, make it, make it nice and pretty. Uh, from the outside, get that curb appeal. People always think, or I, I hear a lot of people say that, uh, you know, buying, buying investment real estate's not emotional. You're looking at it, it's a numbers game. No, it's 100% emotional. Buying, a, a, you know, cap rates are emotional. Uh, it's, it's all emotional. So people are going to be more attractive to an attra- attracted to an attractive property. It just is. It's the ca- I don't care what anybody else thinks. That's the case. And quite frankly, you maybe you should be because guess what? If you're attracted to this attractive property, guess who else is attracted to this attractive property? The tenants. The tenants. Who else? Am I stumping you, Matt? Oh, (laughs) the staff, right? And so you get good staff that want to be at this property because it's attractive. It looks pretty. Okay. And you've got good tenants because they want to be at this property because it looks pretty. Right. So you've got two properties right next to each other. One is ugly. It just, there's no way for you to make it look good. It's got bad landscaping. It's just got bad curb appeal in general. Just kind of that ugly, think of like the mansard roof style. Okay. Then you got that other property that looks nice. It's got some nice features, just some good architecture. That property that's got the good architecture that just looks and feels nice is going to be way easier to rent. You're going to have way better occupancy. You're you're going to get probably higher rents. You're going to get better staffing. It's just the whole thing. You're going to get less tenant turnover. And so, yeah, you should, quite frankly, be attracted to attractive properties. Yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, you know, even things like the better signage out front, uh, you make the world a difference. Yep. Yep. So as much as anybody ever wants to tell you it's a numbers game, it's true, but it's not. Yep. So, um, you know, and so, so we've gone through the broker, we've gone through our NOI. I, that's the other thing too, is when you're talking to the broker, ask them the, those types of questions. What else do I need to, to boost this property? What do I need to do to get, you know, 6 million uh, for this property? That's where I want to be at. What, what, are you, what do you need to see? Um, you know, those types of things, you should be having those conversations prior to selling. So a lot of this should be over a year in advance. Again, even the broker conversations should be over a year in advance. What do we need to do? This is what we want to sell the property for. Um, the other thing is when you're ready to sell, you should probably be looking to buy. So you should be trying to figure out what you're going to buy next, where that money's going to go. And, uh, you know, are you going to 1031? Are you going to take the capital gains? Uh, what are you going to do? Yep. Because as, yeah, if you're going to 1031, that definitely takes advanced uh, coordination. You can't just sell and then start looking for your next property. Yep. Yep. 
Oh, cool. Matt, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything else, man. We've ran through a bunch of stuff with apartment investing all the way from the start, right. And, and just trying to figure out how to find these properties and, and all that kind of stuff. And we'll hit here, uh, as we go on just different strategies throughout, but we've taken you from the start to the finish, to the sale. Um, and so, so now it's just, time to get to work. If you've been listening to this and you haven't bought anything, now it's time to get to work and get, get some, get some deals done. Yeah, exactly. You're, you can learn everything in the world, but if you don't take action, that's for all for nothing. It's all for nothing. All right, man. Well, I don't have anything else to you. I think that's it for today. Cool. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks. You do. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.